One Week Season. One week season fam. JM to win here. Welcome to the week seven edition of the Angles Podcast. I am your host. I am your guest. Throw this baby on 1.5x speed. Week seven. Let's get started. Before we dive into week seven, I want to first rewind back to the week six Angles Podcast. Say a quick thank you to those of you who reached out with your support for uh, A, for that strange podcast with the kids making their cameo appearances and B, with sort of the craziness of my last Friday with Abby going to the ER and all of that. Quick update there for those of you who have been curious, those of you who have reached out with support. uh, Abby had to go to the ER with some uh, heart irregularities and, and they ran a bunch of Blood scans kind of kept her there all day. Everything came back clear. We're not really sure what was causing the issue, but everything seems to be fine at the moment. We've had no issues since then. And we should have no kids on the podcast today. So again, I appreciate the support. I appreciate the questions. Uh, Thank you guys so much. And everything's good on this end at the moment. The next thing I want to do is I kind of teased this in the Angles email this week that we're going to be launching something cool this week. I want to rewind to week five, the, f- the week five Angles podcast. So the week five, and this, all of this is going somewhere and all of this actually ties directly into what we're going to be talking about for this week as well. So bear with me as we go through this. So in the week five Angles podcast, one of the things that I talked about was, you know, those of you who have been with the site since the beginning, you you recall, we launched the site at a very low price point. It was a price point that a lot of people criticized me for launching it so low, jokingly and not so jokingly. It was a price point that a lot of people encouraged me to raise. And it turns out that all of those people were right. As we talked about, we kind of, I kind of reached a crossroads a couple of years into the site where there was a realization that I could continue doing all the work on the site and be putting in 80 plus hours a week during NFL season, running myself ragged, being worn down by week six or seven, and also feeling like I wasn't giving you guys my highest level of work and still not be making more money than I used to make freelance writing. Or we could look to expand the site and bring in all these new contributors, bring in all this new content, sort of grow and expand what we're doing, make my workload a little bit more manageable and sustainable, and hopefully grow in revenue along the way to sort of support all of that. So what's interesting is that where we're at in our process is just from an organic growth standpoint. You know, we launched OWS Free last year, and we see a lot of people come into OWS Free and then eventually pick up an OWS Week Pass and then eventually upgrade to an annual subscription. And just through the organic growth that we're set up for, we expect that basically if we can make it to 2024, all of this hard work is going to be paying off. But there is still that aspect of making it to 2024. So if any of you missed the Week 5 Angles podcast, very quick refresher is 
Basically, I made more money freelance writing when we didn't have kids than I've made any year running OWS, doing a lot more work running OWS. And this year, I'm on track to make maybe 20 to 25,000 running OWS. So there's this breaking point where we have to say, okay, do we need to sell the site? Or can we instead find a way to make it to 2024? So we would prefer, and I think you guys would prefer, for us to find a way to make it to 2024 with the site still in my control and with you know me and this team sort of running everything and making this site what it is. And I know that I, so many of you reached out after that podcast and, and kind of expressed your support and were saying, hey, what can we do to help? And um, basically, how can we keep OWS OWS? And so Aaron, Rotomave, and I, we were talking and brainstorming. And one of the things that we realized is that we have a lot of really cool things in place that benefit you guys and also benefit OWS. And we've done a poor job. I've done a poor job drawing your attention to those things and also done a poor job making it clear that A, you doing these things not only helps you, but also helps OWS and B, that we actually really need that help right now. Again, from a personal standpoint, I'm not concerned, right? It's like I could sell the site and I can get back to freelance writing and everything would kind of come together in a different way. But what I would prefer is to still have OWS, still be growing OWS, still be building this community. And I think that you guys would probably prefer that as well, because I know that for most of you, this is kind of your home base throughout NFL season. And this has become such a community, right? Beyond just being a site with NFL and DFS information, it's become such a community that I know that most of you would prefer that as well. So what we came up with is a really cool idea that we're calling OWS Missions. We are going to have seven missions, one mission a week over the next seven weeks. Most of these missions directly benefit you. All of these missions also benefit OWS. That's pretty cool. That's double benefits. But we are wanting to throw in a third set of benefits as well to kind of make this fun and to maximize the chances of you guys participating in this. And basically ensuring that OWS remains OWS, remains OWS, that this site is still sort of functioning the same way and looking the same way and feeling the same way next year and the next year so that we can kind of bridge this gap between where we are now and where we need to be over the next couple of years to make it to 2024. So, OWS missions. Again, first step is it benefits you. Second step is you will be entered for drawings by participating in missions. You will be entered in drawings for one-on-one coaching with me, one-on-one coaching with Hilo, one-on-one coaching with Zandamir, one-on-one coaching with Mike Johnson, free all access to OWS Marketplace, free inner circle for life, free OWS annual for a year, and we'll be adding some other things in over the next several weeks. So pretty cool prizes. And again, doing these things benefit you. And then the last tip, of course, is this benefits OWS, which then benefits you again, because that increases the chances that OWS is able to remain truly OWS. So obviously that's an important set of ideas to express, lay out for you guys, 
get into your hands. Hopefully I did a good job with that, basically helping you to understand why we're running these missions and helping you feel energized and incentivized to sort of mobilize yourself and take advantage of these things that we've set up, not just for the fact that these things benefit you and not just for the fact that these also get you into drawings for all of these really cool prizes. We're going to be doing the drawings in week 15 is our expectation. The missions will run weeks seven through 13, not just for that, but also for the fact that I know for most of you, again, we've kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but when we talked to our new contact at Fantasy Labs, he was new to that job. And, and when I was on the phone with him, he was like, oh, it's cool to be on the phone with you. <laughs> like OWS has been the homepage on my browser for the last three years. And I think that that's the case for a lot of you, right? This is kind of your home base throughout NFL season. And so this is a way for us to recognize like, look, JM made some mistakes at the beginning in the way he priced things. That's great for us, but kind of also bad for us because in the long run, that's putting the site in jeopardy, right? That's putting us in a position where we might not still be here next year in this current shape that we have at the moment. So this also helps to basically support OWS and bridge the gap between now and then. So this week's mission, you can find it in the missions tab at the top of the homepage or I should say in, the, in the, the main menu on the site. So that's from anywhere on the site. But week one mission is step one, sign up for underdog fantasy. We'll get to that in a moment. If you are already signed up for underdog fantasy through OWS, you will already be entered. So you don't have to worry about that. If you cannot sign up for Underdog Fantasy because you are in a state that does not offer Underdog, send us an email. The details are on the missions page and you will get some entries into the contest anyway. So sign up for Underdog through OWS. The link is in the missions tab or you can sign up for Underdog uh, and use promo code OWS. Deposit $10 or more. Underdog will match your $10 deposit with $10 of their own. So that's where you get the benefit. You deposit 10 bucks, you get 10 bucks free. So now you have $20 to play with on Underdog while putting in only $10. Then go play on Underdog a little bit. The cool thing about Underdog is it's also super plus EV to play on there. So Underdog is basically really known for their best ball drafts. But in season, they have weekly drafts. Drafts take five minutes to 10 minutes to complete, and they're super plus EV. Why are they super plus EV? Because most of our competition doesn't know what they're doing. So you get 10 free dollars. You can go play in these contests on Underdog and basically double your money and already be uh, plus EV from that and then be playing in contests that are plus EV for your bankroll. Now, the last step I want to hit here, and then we will actually, this is going to tie directly into the bottom-up build, but the last step I want to hit here is I want to talk about a particular contest on Underdog that I want to encourage you to play. Now, you're probably listening to this on Friday or Saturday, and so you're getting closer to kickoff, you're getting closer to a point where you're probably shifting your focus to the Sunday NFL slate, but... What I would encourage you to do is sign up for Underdog this week so that you don't forget to, so that you can help OWS in that way. And then next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, at whatever point it is, check out the Battle Royale contest on Underdog. 
Now, every week in the Reflection Scroll, Lex Moralia lays out the previous week's Battle Royale contest, breaks down some of the rosters, breaks down the winning roster, and talks about the key strategy elements involved in the Battle Royale. But I want to talk about that contest here and some of the strategy elements you can apply to it. This will take about five to seven minutes. I encourage you to not fast forward through this, even if you don't plan to sign up for Underdog, because some of this is going to tie into what we're going to be talking about in the bottom-up build. So the Battle Royale, you get in a draft with five other people. So it's you and five other people, six people total. And your roster is going to have one quarterback, one tight end, one running back, two wide receivers, and a flex. What's interesting about the Battle Royale is you're drafting against these five other people, but that's not who you're competing against. You are competing against the entire field of everybody drafting Battle Royale entries throughout that week. So for example, this week, week seven Battle Royale has 13.8K entries. So you're effectively entering a 13,800 entry tournament with your roster, but you're building your roster through this draft against five other people. So let's think, let's apply DFS theory and think about what it takes to win first place in a tournament with 13,800 members. What's really cool about this is most of us play in tournaments of around this size in DFS, whether it's 5,000 entries, 10,000 entries, 15,000 entries, 20,000 entries. But somewhere in that range, we're having to think about beating thousands of entries in order to get to a first place finish. What you will find as you draft in these Battle Royale drafts is that most of our competition is just thinking about drafting good players. They're just thinking about getting the highest ranked player at a particular position when their turn to draft comes around. They're also not thinking about game environment. They're also not thinking about correlation. And they're certainly not thinking about low-owned plays. So here is a key look at how the roster construction breaks down and how it relates to the strategy for the Battle Royale. Assume that the top six quarterbacks listed are going to be the most popular quarterback. So when you go in there to draft, they kind of give you a, a rankings, right? So there's going to be all the quarterbacks are laid out, but they're laid out based on their projections. So across all the drafts taking place on a particular week, the seventh quarterback listed is going to be far lower owned than, say, the fifth quarterback listed. The eighth quarterback listed is going to be even lower owned than that. The ninth quarterback listed is going to be lower owned than that, and so on and so forth. Same thing at tight end. The top six guys are going to be the most popular, and everybody below that is going to go pretty much overlooked. At running back, I like to assume, again, we get one running back, two wide receivers, and a flex spot. So I like to assume that roughly the first nine to ten running backs are going to be relatively popular. Obviously, the eighth, ninth running back is going to be less popular than the fifth or sixth running back because everybody has to draft a running back. There has to be six running backs drafted in every draft. Same thing at wide receiver. I like to assume that the top 15 wide receivers are going to see the most ownership. And again, the 10th, 11th, 12th guy is going to be higher owned than the 13th, 14th, 15th guy. 
So the first thing that I like to do in the Battle Royale is scroll below those top players and see what might be hiding out of sight from my competition. So a good example is week six, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. That was one of the highest producing stacks on the week, but one of the lowest owned pairings in the Battle Royale. Because who is scrolling past the top six quarterbacks and taking Kirk Cousins? Who is moving past the top 15 wide receivers, right? Adam Thielen was like 5,600 on DraftKings last week and nobody rostered him. So who is in a contest where raw points is all that matters? Who is scrolling past and going to that guy? Now that's a key point to think about. Raw points is what matters. So we can't be going down to a guy who we think of as a strong salary saver in DFS, where it's like, hey, this guy can get me 15 to 20 points. That's not valuable in the Battle Royale. You need the guys who can go for those 30-point DraftKings scores. Now, uh, Battle Royale underdog is half PPR scoring, so it won't be quite the same score. But just taking what we generally talk about, you need those guys who can go for those 30-point DraftKings scores, but are being overlooked by the field. The next thing that I like to think about is positions where one player can separate from everybody else. So the clear spot is tight end. On a week with Kelsey and Waller and Pitts, and you could even say Kittle, all on the slate for the Battle Royale. So the Battle Royale starts with the Sunday games and goes through, I believe, through the end of the Monday games. On a slate with kind of a lot of the top tight ends, I'm less concerned about getting Travis Kelsey. But on a slate where it's Kelsey and then a big drop-off. And you could even, like Mark Andrews might be there, but you say, this guy's up and down. Even Waller, right? Waller's up and down. But a slate where you have Kelsey and then this drop-off at tight end, think about what happens if Kelsey scores 30 points and no other tight end scores more than 12 to 15. You now have this massive separator at this one position. So I will often draft Kelsey in the first round when I have the opportunity to do so on a week when tight end is thin. Same thing at running back. If it's a week where running back is sort of thin, Derrick Henry's there, Christian McCaffrey's out, Saquon Barkley's out, Zeke is not playing, so on and so forth. Take the guy who can post that separator score, prioritize that guy, because typically we're going to be looking toward the cheaper quarterback or the cheaper wide receivers, somewhere, not cheaper, but the lower owned, like the below the top six, the below the top 15 guys in those spots to sort of find our separator in terms of ownership. Running back is where we can kind of get those higher probability 30-point scores. So kind of look for the running backs that are capable of producing a score that you would have had to have had in order to win that week. And then below that, look for the running backs outside the top nine who can post those 30-point scores. So whether it's a week where Austin Eckler is kind of going overlooked or DeAndre Swift is kind of going overlooked or whoever it might be, maybe there's a bunch of top running backs on the slate. And so you get one of these guys who's priced at like 6K on DraftKings, but could go for 30 plus points. Those are the types of guys that we want to find on these rosters. And then again, correlation. Think about game environments. Think about spots where we can get a bunch of points at once with one thing going right. That game environment breaking our way, and we end up getting a bunch of points at once. So that's the way to look at the Battle Royale. That's the way to look at any tournament. And one of the coolest things, too, I, I talk about this a lot in Inner Circle, but those flash drafts on DraftKings are a tremendous way to just practice sound DFS theory. 
Same thing with these drafts for the Battle Royale. So this week, the, the price for the Battle Royale is changes week to week. But this week, it's a $5 entry. It's 12 grand to first place. So if you deposit 10 bucks and get the $10 bonus, that's four entries. You're basically paying $2.50 per entry. And you're playing much better than the field targeting a first place finish. And in fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we have a couple weeks this year, two, three weeks this year, where somebody comes back and it's like, hey, I took down first place in the Battle Royale, just kind of thinking this way. Uh, and it allows you to practice strong DFS theory as you go through these drafts. Each draft takes like eight to 10 minutes. And so it kind of allows you to sit down and get that experience in the moment and think through like, oh, wow, look at the way these other people are building rosters, random player here, random player here, random player here, random player here, while you're putting together rosters that tell a cohesive story and they can give you a much clearer shot at a first place finish. With that, hopefully that gets some of you over to Underdog. Again, helps you in a lot of ways and it helps us quite a bit. So, please do that. Take advantage of the missions. You will be automatically entered into these drawings at the end of the year. We will roll out the next mission next week. With that, let's roll into this week's bottom-up build. So I, I talked about the how in the Battle Royale, it's almost like at times we have to say, I'm going to be willing, because we're just talking about raw points, right? But we need something that's different from the field. And at times we have to say, you know what? This might not be the sharpest play in terms of what's going to get me the most points if we play out the slate over and over again. But in terms of what's going to make me the most money, this might be the sharpest play. In other words, a guy who's unowned in the Battle Royale and can go for 30 points 10 out of every 100 games is far more valuable than the guy who's on every single roster and can go for 30 points 30 times out of every 100 games. Similarly, in DFS, the guys who are low-owned but can go for a big score more often than the field is giving them credit for are more profitable over time than the guys who are on every roster or are highly owned and are going to go for that big score more often. This is another one of the things that you get good practice with in the flash drafts on DraftKings, which are those in-game drafts where you, during the first quarter, you're drafting a team that just it's just for the second quarter, right? Is you get to practice saying, okay, this is more likely, but not as much more likely as the field is thinking. So I've talked quite a bit this week about what an interesting week this is. We have the Chiefs and Titans are playing one another. The Cardinals are at home against the Texans. The Rams are at home against the Lions. The Buccaneers are at home against the Bears. The Packers are at home against Washington. Now, one of these things is not like the others. The Bears is not a super soft matchup like these other teams are, but the Bucks should have no problem putting up points against them. So. The first thought here is typically, how do I build around these games as much as possible? What people don't tend to think about is how do I get out of these games and find a game that could actually produce at the same level as these games? 
at a lower price tag. So I've talked about that a few times this week in a few spots, but there's a difference between trying to find the high-priced players this week who might outproduce the higher-owned high-priced players. In other words, hey, these guys are in great spots and they're high-priced and everybody's going to be on them. Here's a guy who's in a lesser spot and he's about the same price and nobody's going to be on him. Well, in that case, you're just saying, hey, you know, hopefully things break my way, the popular guys fail, and my guys hit. That can work, right? But it's not as plus EV as finding some other avenues. So one of those avenues being obviously finding direct leverage. So if let's say that now people are going to be on Daryl Williams, people are going to be on Travis Kelsey, people are going to be on Tyree Kill. But let's say that this were a week where everybody was on the Chiefs passing attack and nobody was on Daryl Williams. Well, then that's a place where you could say, okay, I'll go to Daryl Williams because he would be taking away points from Kelsey and Hill if he ends up hitting. So we want to look for leverage opportunities like that on a week like this. But because of the fact that there are so many teams in good spots and so many of these high-priced players who have a good shot at putting up a, a good score, if you try to go outside of these clear top players, what you're basically saying is that you hope all the top players fail. Because if you move away from Kelsey and Hill, you're also having to move away from Cup. You're also having to move away from Devontae Adams. You're also having to move away from Derrick Henry. And you're having to say, hey, let me hope I can isolate a high-priced guy who produces at a higher level than all these other high-priced guys who are going to be popular and are in really good spots. And that's a hard thing to do. As Zandamir would say, that's a very small needle to thread. Or does he say thin needle to thread? Whatever he says, I really like that one a lot. The apologies to Zandamir for messing that one up. Um, but on the kind of the opposite end of the strategy spectrum this week is to say, hey, what are some of the lower-priced plays or spots or games or whatever it might be that could enable me to get similar production to what the high price guys are going to do. Now, what's really interesting about this week, and you'll see this as we start going through the bottom-up build, is value is relatively thin. There aren't a lot of great value plays this week. So people will probably move toward Rashad Bateman, who's a perfectly fine play. People might go to Tyler Johnson now that Antonio Brown is going to be out. Again, a perfectly fine play. There are some cheap tight ends that people can go to in order to free up salary. You could go to Nico Collins and just say, hey, who's going to be on the field quite a bit? Uh, Nico Collins could get five, six, seven targets this week. But as you see, these are kind of thin value plays, especially if they start drawing ownership. As you start going up in price, you get to kind of the Amon Ra St. Brown, where it's like, okay, well, he doesn't have much upside, but at least he's probably getting you some points. If he scores a touchdown, then, you know, he's helping out there. And then above that, you know, all of a sudden we're in the Robbie Anderson, the Sterling Shepard, the Darnell Mooney, the Allen Robinson range, all perfectly fine plays. But when we're talking about value, they're not saving us that much in salary, and it's still pretty difficult to get up to Devontae Adams, to get up to Tyreek Hill, to get up to Derrick Henry, especially if somebody wants to put multiples of those guys on a roster together. So one of the ways that we can free up salary, recognizing that everybody else is going to be running into this issue, and 
you know, we need to be aware of the cheap guys who can go for a huge game. We need to be aware of like, let's take last week's bottom up build winner who Dustin broke down as he does every week in the reflection scroll. So last week's bottom up build winner basically said, let me go ahead and just take some shots on some cheap guys. The bottom up build winner was and Christopher with a K, scored 186 points with only 44K in salary spent. How was that done? Through a Matthew Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford, Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup stack. Cooper Cup was not cheap. He was 7,900. Matthew Stafford wasn't cheap. He was 6,700. Henderson was even 6K. They even fit Chuba Hubbard onto this roster in order to not take sacrifices at running back. How did they do that? They played Ricky Seals-Jones. They played Sterling Shepard. They played the Lions defense. And then they played KJ Osborne and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, these are Larejo-type plays, right? These are plays where we're not going to be able to, something that Larejo has talked about in um, in Willing to Lose. I had to pause because I lost, I lost the name in my head. Uh, what Larejo ta- talks about in Willing to Lose is a lot of times these plays that can go for a big game, like a much bigger game than their price indicates they should be going for. There aren't really a bunch of stats and data points that we can lay out for why these guys are good plays. If there were a bunch of stats and data points that we could lay out, more people would be on them. Sometimes it's just about saying, hey, this guy, there, these are the ways that they could hit. Yeah, clearly we can come up with the ways that they don't hit, but these are the ways that they can hit. So Donovan Peoples-Jones put up 29.1 point. Uh, KJ Osborne put up 19.8 points, and that kind of vaults this roster into the like a new stratosphere because you're getting 50 points from these two super cheap guys. So we want to keep our eye out for those plays this week, right? We want to keep our eyes out for those guys that we can say, hey, there aren't a bunch of stats and data points that point to this guy, but maybe this guy could have a huge game with nobody on them. So that's going to be an important thing to keep our eyes out for on this particular week because there's not a lot of great value. So rather than just congregating on the same value that everybody else is on, we can kind of look for separator scores in these lower ends of the price range and be willing to be wrong, be willing to lose, be willing to be on a guy who bombs knowing that that guy hitting could be the difference maker. And knowing that over time, playing that way in tournaments where you're having to beat thousands of entries is going to make you money. Another way that we can separate, again, is instead of focusing so strictly on the more expensive stacks, the more obvious spots, we can kind of build around some of the less expensive spots and then have more salary freed up for other spots in our roster than most of our competition will have. So bottom-up build, after all that, let's get to the foundation of this bottom-up build. By the time you're listening to this, the player grid is on the site. You may have already looked at it. You may have seen that I am only focused on three quarterbacks this week, possibly only two quarterbacks this week. And you may have seen 
that Matthew Stafford is not one of them. Tom Brady is not one of them. Kyler Murray is not one of them. Lamar Jackson is not one of them. Jalen Hurts is not one of them. And if you read the NFL Edge this week, you might have a guess as to who those quarterbacks might be. Now, Patrick Mahomes is one of them, but the cheaper guys, one of them is Justin Fields, who I may or may not end up with. I'll certainly have some Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. But the spot that I've really been looking at since Monday, and it was great to read Hilo's breakdown of this game and see that he was seeing all the same things I was seeing, was the Atlanta and Miami game. These are two teams that pass the ball by design a ton, two teams that cannot stop the pass. So from the start of the week, I was interested in both of these quarterbacks, but I was sort of gravitating toward Tua. And as Deshaun, as the Deshaun Watson trade news was coming out throughout the week, I was thinking, man, like this is going to let, if you're Tua, what are you thinking this week, right? Like you're optimally, you're kind of buttoning down and focusing even more fully and trying to come out and prove the doubters wrong this week and put up a big game in a great spot to put up a big game against this Atlanta defense. But as I kept looking at this spot, one of the things that stood out to me, and this isn't a bad thing, but if you're rostering Tua, you're basically saying, well, you're saying he's going to get 300 yards and three touchdowns, right? That's what we roster a quarterback for. If we're not rostering them for getting 40 to 50 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground, now Tua can pick up, you know, 20, 30 yards on the ground, but more often than not, that's not what you're rostering him for. So, you know, these pocket passers, these guys who maybe add some bonus yards on the ground, but that's not why you're rostering them. What you're rostering a quarterback for then is 300 yards and three touchdowns. We always say that, right? A pocket passer, you have to ask, can they throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns? Tua absolutely can do that, but that would be the best game of his career to date. Again, he could post his best game of his career in this spot. He's only played, what, uh, 10 career games, right? So it's not some crazy thing to say, hey, he could he could have his first three touchdown passing game in this spot. But we know that Matt Ryan can go for 300 yards with ease. We know that Matt Ryan can go for three passing touchdowns. We know that this team is likelier to score touchdowns through the air than on the ground. And what I really love, and I bring this up in the player grid as well, but what I really love about this spot is that Miami is traveling back across the pond from London after a really tough loss. And that's a tough travel, you know, whatever tough travel set to do. And then come home and play another game. Whereas Atlanta is coming off the bye. And as we know, good coaches use the bye to self-scout and improve what they are doing. Arthur Smith has a longer track record of being a really good coach, a really good offensive mind, than he has of being a disappointing head coach, which is what he's been so far this year. So having the bye, having a chance to figure out what they're doing wrong, what they're doing well, what they can emphasize moving forward, getting Russell Gage back, getting Calvin Ridley back, it's a really good spot for the Atlanta passing attack as a whole. And it wouldn't be surprising if Matt Ryan throws for 300 yards, throws for three touchdowns, puts up 27 or more DraftKings points at 5,700 with hardly anybody on him. And Stafford, in a game where the Rams are going to, you know, likely blow out the Lions, maybe puts up around the same score. Maybe Kyler, in a game where the Cardinals blow out the Texans, puts up around the same score. Kind of all these other guys that people are paying a lot more for can put up pretty much similar scores to what Matt Ryan can put up this week. It's There aren't a lot of paths 
to a Kyler 35-point game. There aren't a lot of paths to a Stafford or Brady 35-point game. So if those guys end up in the 27, 26, 27, 28, 29-point range, and Matt Ryan finishes in that same range at a lower price tag, you've now done something different with your roster, and you've freed up salary. You're not just taking different players, but you've set up a different roster construction. So you have a couple thousand more to spend in other spots that your competition doesn't have. Matt Ryan might literally be on, I I think I'll build nine rosters again this week. He might literally be on six of my nine rosters this week. So I started out this roster saying it would be nice to get Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts onto this roster. The next thing I said was, Where do we want to go at running back this week? There aren't really any cheap running backs who stand out. We get into some pretty thin options as we get farther down into the price range at running back this week. So I started out just saying, hey, let's not worry about salary too much yet. Let's think about what we want to get onto this roster. What are the best plays? Who are the cheapest running backs that we would feel great heading into Sunday with? One of the things I'm enjoying right now in this bottom-up build is actually, we've done this last couple of weeks, talking through the roster building thought process. So you can kind of see what my starting point is and how I put these things together and how things change as I build these rosters. It hopefully helps you kind of get a sense of how to do that as well on your end. And again, everybody's mind works differently. Your process is going to be different than mine, but you might pick up things from the way I do things that help you see ways that you can do things a little bit differently or kind of improve your process in different ways. So... Again, at this point, I had Matt Ryan, I had Calvin Ridley, I had Kyle Pitts, and I put on Daryl Henderson and Chuba Hubbard. So now we're sitting on a couple running backs in the 6K range, a wide receiver in the 6K range, a tight end who is almost 6K, a quarterback who's almost 6K, and salary is starting to get pretty tight. So the next thing I did was I went over to defense to say, okay, here's a spot where we we can typically save some salary. As I was looking through the defense pool, one of the things I've loved about the bottom-up contest and Dustin breaking down the the bottom-up build each week is seeing the ways that some of you guys are building and some of the creative things you guys are doing in terms of saying, yeah, we're working with a 44K salary cap, but that doesn't mean we need cheap guys across the board let's do a a Stafford Cup Henderson stack, right? Let's spend some money and let's save salary in other places. And that kind of keeps us from just automatically taking the cheapest guy here, the cheapest guy here, the cheapest guy there. So when I went over to defense, one of the things that that was standing out to me essentially is the Patriots are really underpriced against the Jets. The Cardinals are really underpriced against the Texans. It's hard to justify going down to one of these cheaper defenses just to save a little bit of extra salary when the Cardinals are sitting there at 3,100. So on this roster, I put in Cardinals at 3,100. So if you remember back back to last week, we put in the Lions at 2,100 because it was like, well, we don't need to overthink this. This is a great matchup in terms of offensive line, defensive line, or that is to say pressure rates and adjusted sack rates against the opponent's adjusted sack rate. Uh, Good opportunity for some turnovers. They're super cheap. Don't overthink it. Slot them in. Well, we don't have one like that this week. There are some cheap defenses you could go to 
But the Cardinals at 3100 are also dramatically underpriced. So Cardinals at 3100 is what I put onto this roster, recognizing that finding some lesser defense for just a little bit in savings isn't going to materially open things up on this roster, where the issue at this point is more than I'm spending so much salary in other spots already. So at this point, I'm sitting on a Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts stack with Chuba Hubbard and Daryl Henderson at running back and with the Cardinals defense. At this point, I start recognizing that I'm not going to be able to fit in everything under a 44K salary cap. And so I start thinking about where I might make some sacrifices. One place I can make sacrifices is at tight end. Kyle Pitts is 5,900. There are also some 3K tight ends this week, some tight ends in that 3K range, uh, including Ricky Seals-Jones at 3,700, who we can go to and save some salary. If I do that, that also opens things up for me to be creative in my second piece on the Falcons stack. So what I did here was I moved my tight end down to... Well, actually, I moved it down to Ricky Seals-Jones at this point, just to sort of free up some salary. And then I came back over to running back to say, okay, what if I take one of these higher cost running backs, Daryl Henderson, Chuba Hubbard, and moved down to Mike Davis? Mike Davis is involved in the pass game. Mike Davis is as likely to score a touchdown through the air as he is to score one on the ground. Mike Davis is 5,200. So if I leave Daryl Henderson in, basically saying what's great about Henderson is he's leverage off of the Rams passing attack. Now, Henderson is going to be popular as well. It's not like he's some you know huge moneymaker where it's like he's 5% owned, Cup and Stafford are 30% owned, and you take away all the points from them. But he, he's hurting the rosters that bet on the Rams passing attack. Additionally, as we've explored this week, the Lions, who the Rams are playing this week, face the lowest opponent pass play rate in the NFL. They face the fewest opponent pass attempts per game. Stafford's in a great spot. Cup is in a great spot. They're probably both going to put up a really strong game, but they're priced for their production on the season. They're priced for the fact that they've been smashing in these games where they've been having to score a lot of points, in these games where they've been passing a decent amount. So if we take away some extra volume from Stafford, if he ends up throwing five fewer passes than normal, seven fewer passes than normal, eight fewer passes than normal... It makes it that much more difficult for him and Cup to pay off their huge price tags. It makes it that much more likely that they both both post a strong game instead of an elite game or a had-to-have-it game. So I wanted to keep Henderson on this roster instead of Chuba Hubbard. I also wanted to keep Henderson because one of my favorite value plays this week is Robbie Anderson. Now, Robbie Anderson falls into almost like the Donovan Peoples-Jones and K.J. Osborne bucket, even though the volume has been there. It's funny because Robbie Robbie Anderson is 13th in the NFL in percentage share of team air yards. So in other words, all the air yards for a team. He ranks 13th in the NFL as far as like what percentage of his team's air yards he gets. DJ Moore ranks second. So that's how concentrated this offense is. Robbie Anderson ranks 13th in the NFL in percentage share of team air yards. His last three games have seen target counts of 11, 7, 11. We think of Robbie Anderson as being primarily a downfield player, but similar to last year, the 
Panthers have continued to utilize him basically at all levels, but his A dot is sort of a middling, slightly sub 10 average depth of target. But he sees some stuff close to the line of scrimmage. He sees some intermediate looks. He sees some downfield looks. And look, Robbie Anderson's had some huge DFS games in his career. Robbie Anderson's also really fast. Robbie Anderson also got paid by the Panthers. So the perception of Robbie Anderson is that he's this great wide receiver. The truth is, Robbie Anderson is a pretty mediocre route runner by NFL standards. He's perfectly fine. He's not bad, but he's not good. He has decent hands by NFL standards. So he's not like some awesome wide receiver, which is why he's 4,800, even though he's seen 11, 7, and 11 targets. He also has Sam Darnold throwing him the ball. So there are a lot of dents in this play. But because of Robbie Anderson's speed, because of the way that he can be used, because of the way that he can open things up downfield, he can go for a 25 to 30 point score, especially getting a 7 to 11 looks. So at 4,800, he felt extremely underpriced. And what we're talking about, what if we were trying to win a tournament? where everybody had a 44K salary cap, what would we be looking to do? We would be looking to get the guys who can post separator style scores. So Robbie Anderson at 4,800 was a priority for me on this bottom-up build, made it easy for me to move off of Chuba Hubbard, easy for me to keep Daryl Henderson in here. And I end up moving down to Mike Davis. I end up putting Robbie Anderson onto this roster. And so now that gives us Matt Ryan, Mike Davis, Daryl Henderson, Robbie Anderson, Calvin Ridley, Ricky Seals-Jones, and the Cardinals defense with two spots left. Now, I'm not married to Ricky Seals-Jones. I, I went down to him because he's the sharpest value play at tight end. But tight end is much more volatile. Ricky Seals-Jones probably is not going to be the reason I win a tournament. So this is the place where I'm most willing to move off of him, especially when I'm looking at wide receiver and recognize basically I have enough for like a 3K wide receiver and a guy in the low 5K range. Well, the low 5K range is going to bring a lot of question marks into play. There's Allen Robinson. We can get a little bit below that and get down to Darnell Mooney. I like both of those guys, but there are a lot of question marks. They're as likely to post a dud as they are to post a big game. And what I really wanted to get up to was Chris Godwin at only 5,900. That's an underpriced player, especially, and this was even before Antonio Brown was going to be out, but especially now that Antonio Brown is going to be out this week. So what I did here was I moved tight end down to Cole Komet at 3K. And I went to Chris Godwin at 5,900. That left me 3,100 in salary. So Cole Komet, basically we're saying the you can't run against the Bucks. The Bears are probably going to pass over 30 times, potentially as many as 33 to 35 times. Most teams, the, uh, the Bucks are facing, I think it's 41 point something pass attempts per game. The Bears probably aren't going to get there because of the way that the Bears play, but the Bears are certainly going to pass more than they have in other games. And so 33 to 35 pass attempts is pretty reasonable. Cole Komet could easily see five to seven looks on that workload. Uh, the Bears also aren't going to be involving their running backs a ton in the passing game. We should recognize that because Khalil Herbert is not a major plus in the passing game. He might get a couple dump offs, but he's not getting schemed usage. So Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, and Cole Komet is where most of the targets are going to be going. So Cole Komet at 3K, 
opposite Chris Godwin in this same game without Antonio Brown gives us a really, really nice setup that's nicely correlated. And then the last spot on this build is a pretty interesting one. And this is where we're talking about saying, hey, who could go for 25 to 30 points with nobody on them and end up with Preston Williams? Now, we don't know yet for sure if Preston Williams is going to be playing this week, but we are on this Falcons stack. If Preston Williams plays in week four, let's see, he missed week six. In week five, I think it was the last game he played, he played 40 out of 54 snaps. He's going to be on the field. If he and Devontae Parker are healthy, it's going to be Jalen Waddell in the slot. It's going to be Parker on one side. It's going to be Williams on the other. Preston Williams in that game had three catches for 60 yards. That was with Jacoby Brissett under center. Preston Williams had some nice games last year with uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then I believe one nice game with Tua before his injury. And Preston Williams is not the player that everybody everybody wanted him to be a few years ago. That's okay, though. He's also 3,100 in a game where we expect both teams to be passing a ton and on a roster where I'm already betting on Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and Mike Davis. So that gives us a very interesting and very unique bottom-up build of Matt Ryan, Mike Davis, Daryl Henderson, Robbie Anderson, Calvin Ridley, Preston Williams, Chris Godwin, Cole Komet, and the Cardinals defense. We have Matt Ryan and technically two pass catchers, if we throw Mike Davis into the pass catcher bucket. Matt Ryan plus two pass catchers from the Falcons and a bring back on the other side of that game in Preston Williams. We have Calvin Ridley and, or, sorry, Chris Godwin and Cole Komet in the same game opposite one another. We have Daryl Henderson hopefully taking away points from the Rams passing attack. We have Robbie Anderson hopefully going for 25 to 30 plus and taking away points from Chuba Hubbard, who would probably be relatively highly owned in a 44K salary cap contest. And we have the Cardinals defense rounding things out. And actually... Surprisingly, I say surprisingly because usually this goes at least an hour. That pretty much does it for this week. It's an interesting week uh, on Monday. Monday is the day that I kind of turn this, turn the page to the next week. I use Sunday night for a reflection. Monday, I turn the page to the next week and start diving into that week's slate with sort of my initial overview thoughts. I start diving in. I start deciding which games I want to watch from the previous weekend in order to get up to speed, in order to get a sense of how different teams might match up against each other. And my first thought on Monday was wow, this is an easy week from an analysis standpoint. We kind of know what the Rams are going to do. We kind of know what the Cardinals are going to do. We kind of know what the Chiefs and Titans are going to do. We kind of know what the Packers are going to do. Like all these teams in these great spots, there's also not much mystery. The opponent they're facing can't really force them to do something different than they typically do. We know what these teams want to typically do. And so that gives us a setup where a lot of this slate is very straightforward. There have been very few surprises throughout the week, throughout research. Everything is kind of as it seems on this slate. The thing to think about with that is the field is probably either going to approach everything exactly as it seems, and just try to get in as many of these players from these games as they can, or they're likely to go the opposite direction and say, oh, let me be different and assume all these games fail, right? Um, Let me fade these popular guys and go to these other spots. 
But the sharpest way to approach this week is to recognize that those popular spots are are likely to hit. Maybe not each individual popular spot, but when we take the popular spots as a whole, there are going to be big scores produced from them. The issue is that pricing doesn't really cooperate this week. So we're going to see a lot of people who are taking bad value in order to fit in these higher priced guys that everybody else is also already rostering and going with similar roster construction approaches to one another in order to get there. So one of the things that we want to be looking for this week is how can we be intelligently different. So in the same way we talked about in the Battle Royale, we're thinking about raw points when we we move outside those most popular plays because there is no salary cap. So we're thinking about, hey, who's the 10th, who's the the seventh quarterback, the eighth quarterback, the ninth quarterback, the 10th quarterback, who could actually match the first quarterback? Who is the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th running back who could actually match? Maybe they don't match Derrick Henry, but they could actually match the third, fourth, fifth running back. Who is the 17th, 18th wide receiver who could match the third or fourth wide receiver? So we're looking for those types of things in the Battle Royale, and it kind of corresponds directly to what we should be looking for this week, where there's not a lot of great value. So we can say, hey, what are some of the affordable pieces, or even better yet, affordable stacks that can allow us to get similar production to the high-priced guys. We expect the high-priced guys to hit, maybe not in a micro sense, maybe not every single guy is going to hit, but there are enough high-priced guys in really good spots that some of them are going to hit. And in order to get to a first-place finish without those right guys, those correct high-priced guys, you're going to need some lower-priced guys who match those scores. So don't go into this weekend assuming that, hey, maybe some of these, or thinking, hey, maybe some of these high-priced popular spots will all fail. But instead, go in saying, I need to assume that some of these high-priced popular spots will hit. I need to try to find a way to get exposure to some of those on my rosters where I can. But I also, rather than just taking on bad value in order to jam in as many of these high-priced guys as I can, I need to be thinking about who are the lower-cost guys who can potentially post a score that's very similar to what the higher cost guys are going to produce. That's how we ended up with this bottom-up build roster. That's also how I am ending up with my core for my builds this week, with which will be a lot of Matt Ryan and his pass catchers with bringbacks from Miami. I will be doing that again in order to be able to hopefully match the scores produced by others while also freeing up some salary to fit in some of these higher cost guys that I also like. With that, we are going to get out of here for this week. Please check out the missions page on the in the OWS menu. Please sign up for Underdog. Drop 10 bucks in there. Play the Battle Royale. Go make some money in that plus EV contest. Tune in next week for our second mission. And with that, I will see you on the site throughout the weekend, and I will see you at the top of the leaderboards when it's all said and done.